0: Yeah BP Hero Podcast Season 7 Episode number 6 do me a favor if you're just checking in here or even if you're catching up later head over to some social medias somewhere and share this thing around did my part it's up to you to do yours what's up Jason how you doing buddy listen Jason so I know you have kind of maybe questionably at times been a good voice of reason other times not but i jonesing for dogs so we gotta get propaganda started to get us a dog went from jeep to a dog and then like we just kind of like muted you for a little bit but now we're back on the dog thing again so I'll make sure the wife sees this. We gotta get us a dog. I gotta have me a golden retriever. If anybody watches Cletus McFarland on YouTube, his Goldens just do it for me. Love Goldens. So we gotta get that gotta get that propaganda started. Doing the usual though, you know. Giving everybody ten or so to file in. And then we'll get this thing rolling. step out for just a second here udo momenta por favor quick oh Spencer what are you doing what are you doing in here hey so listen you be careful out there tomorrow everybody tell Spencer to be careful he's a UPS driver he's driving a big brown truck and that weather's supposed to get funky tomorrow so we we got to make sure everybody's safe tomorrow we got several UPS drivers in the chat here <laughs> so uh, we got to make sure that everybody's safe Taking care of, getting A to B just fine. Yeah, Jason, boxers are good too. Uh, I like boxers. Boxers are so goofy. They crack me up. Um, the house we used to live in, we had a boxer that lived across the street. She was the sweetest dog other than shitting in my yard all the time. She was the sweetest dog. Goofy. Always like, you know, ready to play and goof around. But something about a, a lab or a retriever just got like a soft spot for me. Matthew Clark says a chocolate lab. Oh yeah, chocolate lab's definitely an option as well. Um, I grew up with a chocolate lab, and then my wife also had a chocolate lab, and uh, we, we actually both had our we, we when we met we both still had our chocolate labs. Mine was Cocoa and hers was Pepper, and uh, it's, it's been a long time. I'm starting to age myself here a little bit. Uh, Jason, the Unicorn Cowboys have um, folded. So the Bowling Alley here in town was owned by uh, a property group. They've got a pretty pretty large hand in the town itself as far as uh, rental properties and, and not necessarily properties like houses, but like office spaces and office buildings and, and things like that. And they actually bought the Bowling Alley. And it's got a couple other of uh, buildings attached to it as well that have businesses in them. And they've bought that property. Have have had it for a couple years now, I do believe. But the insides, the bowling alley owner still owned, if you're following I me. Mean, basically, he owned the inside. Um, Orson owned the outside. And, a long story short, dude ended up not paying his rent. And they basically just locked the doors and said, You're done. No more bowling alleys here. So... You know they're they're not even entertaining. Like if somebody wanted to come in and try and open, you know, open it back up. Like if if the owner of the equipment inside the bowling alley decided, hey, I'm going to sell this stuff to somebody else and they can run it. Their Orson's isn't even going to let that happen. So I don't know what they're going to do with um, a bowling alley full of lanes and, and pin machines and pins and house balls. No clue what they're going to do with that stuff. But apparently they're not going to open up another bowling alley. And if you're familiar with the Moberly area at all, guys. Then you know there ain't shit to do in Moberly. Besides they, they put in some axe throwing. And guys listen I don't to mean to me offend you. anybody here when I say this. But axe throwing just sounds brutal. Does not sound what I would consider to be a good time, but it's also something I've never done, so maybe maybe it and I just don't know. But Especially being in the area that I live in that's not necessarily like the classiest place at times. Um, I'm thinking axe throwing is going to definitely end. Because they, they serve uh, liquor and beer there. Uh, somebody's going to end up with an axe in the side of their head. And it's not going to be on accident. People go hard around here. <laughs> no lie, that's that's exactly what happens. So, no bowling anytime soon went in though. Hey, we're up to eight viewers. You guys did your job. We're sharing this around. The people are showing up. We love it. We've got a few different topics we're going to cover tonight. Uh, I posted on the uh, Facebook page some uh, some uh, topics and questions for the night and had a pretty good turnout here. I got, I got a lot of good topics here. And the main one is going to be is softball dying. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I want to cover a couple of these other ones first and then we'll kind of close out with the softball's dying. It's going to be our longest topic. Uh, I've got my opinions on if it is dying and why it is dying so we'll kind of get into that here in a little bit but for now we're just gonna hang out chat you know do the use let everybody get filed in here oh Carly what you doing girl? man Carly in the chat where's Jordy at? we need to get Jordy in here too I'll have Jordy on the podcast in a heartbeat. How have you guys been? It's always nice to see kind of some of the old OGs kind of, you know, come sliding back into the podcast once in a while, right? Uh, Matthew Clark says, uh, Axoing was fun for the first time, five or ten minutes, and he got bored. Yeah, like it would be one of those, like, if I'm not good at it, I'm not going to be interested in it right away kind of things. Like, I'm going to lose my interest pretty quick jordy's taking a shower we'll listen we'll maybe video chat him later we're not going to do that right now uh, for the sake of me not getting flagged on youtube <laughs> when's your first tournament carly uh, so guys obviously uh you, you know carly is a, a one of our young lady fans here um she's playing the uh women's conference circuit right correct me if i'm wrong here carly when is your first tournament Okay, well, funny enough, I, I asked that as you say that at the end of the month. So where are you guys headed? I, I love the women's game, guys. Like, I, I know I've talked about it a couple of different times on the podcast. Um, the the thing I enjoy about watching the women's game as opposed to the men's game is, man, it's just, the, the men's game can be a little bit of a home run derby at times. It can be dominated by, by hitters. Uh, the women's game, the hitters are so crafty. It's so much fun to watch they they they're so crafty. The defense is is pretty good. It's just so it's a it's while it's the same sport, it's a it's just played different from the women's side of things and I, I I truly enjoy watching it. Oh, Jordy's here. What's up, Jordy? Uh, see so y'all going to Oklahoma for the Battle of the Bats, okay. I do believe Brian was telling me something about that, but I don't know if we'll be making it down for that. one. Not that I'm playing with, Brian. I don't know why I said we. um, I think we did put together a little bit of a schedule for uh, our little C team. And our first tournament is going to be at the end of March in Sullivan, actually. Unless we happen to come by something sooner. I don't know what will come up. We'll see. Conference starts in April in Uless, Texas. We're playing Battle for Bats in Mustang, Oklahoma this month. Mustang, Oklahoma is really the name of the town? That's interesting. Was not expecting that one. So, Sorry, Squirrel. I got distracted. I don't even know what I was going to say. I'm excited. We got like no chat's rolling like it's it's so funny because like sometimes when you guys get engaged and we just kind of get to bouncing around in the chat I get to sit and chat with the chat that makes sense chat with the chat (laughs) but we are into the 10 minute mark like I said Uh, we're going to get things rolling here so um, I put it on Facebook I I, I do this every now and again Uh, either whether I'm struggling for topics or if like it's just one of those deals where I just need a little bit more content um, I'll post on Facebook, just kind of like what topics and questions and things like that uh, for the podcast and just going to go uh, straight from the top here. So Red Softball asked, uh, should bat companies honor warranties from secondhand sellers? Uh, essentially what he's saying is, should bat companies honor a warranty for someone selling a bat used or, you know, if they, I guess if they don't swing it. Basically, if I bought a bat brand new from a, from a retailer and then turned around and sold it, should that... Manufacturer honor the warranty even though I'm not the original person that sold it um, I'm torn on this so there's the side of me that says yeah because staying behind your product and you know coming from like a car perspective while you know you've got some cars out there that do like lifetime you know drivetrain warranties I know uh, Chrysler was doing that for a little while so that does not go buyer to buyer, but there is still some limited coverage warranty involved in that I do believe. But even still, if I go out and buy a brand new car today, it's under warranty no matter what, unless something happens to where um, the maintenance there's you know, the other hiccup at the maintenance or something that I've done as as an owner is going to void my warranty. The warranty will be good throughout the life of the warranty as long as I'm doing all the proper things. So there's no reason that a bat shouldn't be the same way. Personally. But where it gets weird is bats getting dealt and and pushed around and and dealt around and, you know, bats getting sold uh, four or five times within the life duration of the receipt or uh, a matter of mixing and matching receipts with bats like, that's where things get weird. I personally, it would be a lot of work on the retailer end, and I'm sure it would go over, um, is, is a great big flop. But I've always firmly believed that whether it be on the manufacturer end or the retailer end, you know, there's obviously serial codes, markings, barcodes, things like that on the bats. That information needs to be included on the receipt. That's going to keep not necessarily people from creating fake receipts because that's that's just going to be a thing. I've even heard uh, when Worth and Mike and uh, you know, were real big on the the stickers when they first came out, the uh, warranty stickers. There were people that didn't know, throwing them away. And then there were people that started making the stickers. I mean, you're, you're never going to get around it. So it's not going to necessarily like push away the guys that can buy and make receipts and that kind of thing. But it's going to keep me from buying a bat, beating the crap out of it, and then buying another one at the end of the year, selling it off, and then taking the receipt and returning the one that it didn't have a receipt for. It just doesn't... Or that are making copies of a receipt, too. That's always been one kind of questionable thing when it comes to buying used bats with receipts. For me, I, I just... I have no level of trust in people. <laughs> I actually missed out on, on a pretty decent deal on a bat last night just because I wanted some specific pictures and I just got beat to the punch. The guy says, Look, I got someone ready to buy this. You messaged me at the same time. He's ready to pay. And you're wanting more pictures. I was like, dude, just sell it. No matter what the situation is, as far as that stuff goes, whether he's not around the bat to get pictures, whether he doesn't want to take more pictures, that's that's his prerogative, that's his thing. But I'm I wanna see what I'm buying. But the it's 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 so sketch, man. Like, not, not, I'm not saying that anything was wrong with the bat. Nothing tipped my attention as being off with the bat. But it just all comes full, full circle back to... Just my, my level of trust in people is not very high when it comes to buying used bats on Facebook. It's just not. So, with that comes buying a bat with a receipt. Well, if I buy this bat with his receipt... Who's to say that dude didn't sell the receipt to five other people, run off some copies of it and send it out? Well, then I go to return my bat. Well, somebody else has already used my receipt. And I had the original receipt. That can't happen if those barcodes or those serial numbers or whatever else is on the bat. That can't happen because there's only one bat with that serial number. There's got to be a way, a workaround something to get that figured out because when manufacturers call to follow up on warranty receipts if the retailer is saying, you know, putting this information on the receipt, the manufacturer can say hey, is this serial code 123 and manufacturer can say yeah, I've got it right here on the receipt it's simple, so simple yeah, Jonathan Jonathan Stevenson says, 26 ounce back for sale for one thirty. and the first comment will be One ounce in the second comment will be, what's the price? Yeah. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. So I thought about... The thought crossed my mind for a hot minute. So we've talked about it on the podcast several times. Softball fans, the forum, back in the day, I was a moderator on there. And the main reason that I wanted to become a moderator on there was because the marketplace was an absolute disaster. There was a very simple set of rules put in place for buying and selling on there. Buying, selling, trading... That kind of thing. And nobody wanted to follow him. And it led to people getting scanned, people getting ran around, uh, people getting stuff that they weren't, you know, ex- it wasn't in the condition they were expecting. On and on and on. So, I, I, I you know, reporting posts and, and I, I said something to a couple of different guys a few different times, like, hey, look. Now, I'm willing to pitch in here and help out and and do that kind of thing. And I think the night (laughs) I actually got a thread made that was, like, about me, the the night they gave me access to go in and basically moderate, I mean, I cleaned house. I absolutely cleaned house. And it was so funny because there was a, a, a post in the open slow pitch forum that was like, Like, what happened to the marketplace? It was like kind of somebody calling me out like, you know, because it's like, it's new, it's a surprise. Like, I'm the moderator now. But man, it's just this stuff drives me nuts. Simple set of rules. Like, a sheet of paper with the date on it for the the date that you're posting your stuff with your name on it next to the bat. Only the bats in the picture you're selling. Don't sell on price checks. Have a price. Have a wait listed. It's simple stuff. It's so simple. Your, your preferred methods of payment. I mean, just, you, if you do all of this stuff, then somebody can just look at it and scroll through it and say, This is not for me, this is not for me, this is not for me, this is for me. Instead of me painstakingly messaging some people who communicate worse than my six year old, trying to pry information out of them or, or you know, basically, oh, you know, make, make me an offer on this bat. And then you know, guy says, uh, well, you know, I, I'll offer, uh, one twenty on your one hundred and sixty dollar bat," but the price said firm. Like, come on, we're better than this. the The thought crossed my mind the other day: just start a Facebook like buy sell trade group. In in like no wild west bullshit. There's a simple set of rules. If you don't follow them, you you don't get to post. It would just make me smile on the inside to know that thing, to know, to know those things. You have like a checklist of thing, copy it, paste it in there, fill it out, do whatever. I don't care. Just figure out a way to not make it look like it just, it's absolutely wild. Some of the things I'm not even going to pull it up because there's names uh, on, on all the posts. So I can't pull it up <laughs> and, and throw people under the bus, but it's terrible. Just go on to something like softball addicts or for softball only all others, haul ass or whatever the hell it is it's bad there's good stuff but then there's bad stuff and I almost think sometimes when I go to sell and stuff on there the more de- like it's the more detailed you are it just like runs people off nobody wants to read through the details I've had people that have uh, you know hey do you have more pictures of this or what weight is this like dude it's all right there like, I won't even answer I'm a, I'm, I'm a dick sometimes like I won't even answer the messages if the information is in the post and a lot of times they'll come back and say, Oh, I see it now. And then I'm, I'm ready to talk to you. If you don't have time for the little details, I don't have time for your crap. Wheeling deal in bats is not going to make or break me. So it doesn't bother me to not sell the stuff. If it's making or breaking you, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Just throwing that out there. But anyway, rounding back around, should back companies honor a warranty from secondhand sellers? Yes. <laughs> Fat guy BP says we are guys. We don't need directions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah, who needs those, right? <laughs> By the way, just real quick, how's the music? It sounds kind of loud on my computer, but I think it's I think it's good. I haven't messed with it. So it should be good. I forgot to ask that earlier. So I'm reading through the chat here. Yeah, Jason. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So you said you ended up buying a bat off eBay that ended up being shaved. Did yeah, this is Stuff like that. You know, not disclosing it. Whatever else. It, that's where things get weird because. You know, there, there's no like saying, hey, you, know, you sold me a shaved bat. Well, that person can just say, well, I didn't know it was shaved or. Um, you know how do you know that I don't know that you didn't shave it after you got it in that kind of thing so it's crazy it's just crazy to me that things like that can happen and that's why uh, the bat that I was looking at I wanted pictures of the end cap just for like my assurance that like okay this thing is stock like he never said otherwise but sometimes I feel it's offensive to ask the question like, should I have to ask the question if your bat altered before I buy it? Should I have to I mean, if I feel like you should be volunteering that information, one, to be an honest seller, and two, I mean, let's be honest, like a hundred percent honest, it's gonna sell for more money if it's altered. Because people will go to extreme lengths to cheat, including spending all kinds of insane money. Thank you for the update on the music, guys. I appreciate it. <clears throat> And Jonathan Stevenson, yes, unpopular opinion. For most, I agree with you. Swing count is the absolute dumbest thing to ask. No one really knows the swing count, and everybody's swings are different. I hate gently used, um, used but in good shape. Lightly used or um, swung by my wife? Bullshit, dude. I had this. There was this one one time. This guy says, "Oh, this bat was swung by my wife," and then his profile picture was him swinging the bat. Same grip and everything. Somebody called him out on it and he ended up deleting his post. But I thought that was really funny. Like, and and the other thing with that too. That's why I really like having a compression tester. Especially when it comes to kind of dealing with used bands at times. I can throw it on the tester and just tell myself like, all right, this is where it's at. It needs more break-in or um, that kind of thing. It just, at least from my peace of mind, I can know. And if it's something that I know will pass compression by like flying colors then I'll even mention that in my post. Passes compression. If it's testing like 270, I know for a fact that it's not going to fail on any tester unless it is just absolutely busted. The tester, that is. So I will go as far as, you know, testing it saying, hey, passes compression. If it's like low 2... If we're talking 240 bats, if it's like low 250s or somewhere around in there, mm, you know, I, I might say tiptoe in the line or, or something. And that's just if I honestly if I feel like it because... You can offer a swing count and I do just based on the fact that somebody's gonna ask and sometimes you just can't tell. like I've had bats that have had a thousand swings on them that look brand new because we hit on turf or we hit nothing but BP or that bat's been nothing but a BP bat, but it's got a thousand swings on it. It's not a thousand game swings because think about how much that bat's getting thrown down. you know there's there's so much that goes into that. but no, I do agree with you that swing count is one of the dumbest things to ask. But it at least gives you a relevant idea of, like, how much the bat might be broken in. <laughs> yeah. And Adam says, yeah, I love when it says it has 50 swings. When you get it, it looks like it was used to murder a statue. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing lying about swing counts, too. Same same situation. Like, if I put 1,000 swings on a bat, on t- play, you know, hitting on turf, and, you know, all BP swings... I go home and magic eraser it off like some of these losers do after every time like they even breathe on the bat. they got to go home and magic eraser it off and, and all this stuff. Like and then I, could, I could pass it off as a 50 swing bat just to get more money out of it. You know? That's frustrating. And that is why I have trust issues. I have trust issues anyway that go way deeper than what we're going to talk about in this podcast. But that is why I don't trust swing counts. The bat I was looking at, dude said it had 200 swings on it. Listen, I don't care how many swings you said it has on it. It doesn't look like it's about to break in the pictures. I'll get it here and decide if it needs more swings or not when I put it on my tester. Granted, not everybody has a tester to have that tool to see, but it is what it is. What's up, Gio? How you doing, buddy? So Adam Bucky um, made the topic... um, fine line between a few beers and obnoxious drunk. This is kind of an interesting one. There's a lot of people that drink and play. A lot. Stand by. I gotta sneeze. Hang on. I think it's done. Okay. So, anyway so uh, the fine line between a few beers and obnoxious drunk there's a lot of people that drink and play a lot a lot of my friends do and I don't hold it against them everybody's an adult they can make their own decisions trust me I I don't I, I wasn't real big on drinking and playing I might have like a beer or two honestly it was more of a social thing than it was anything else but I do know some people that like need beer in them in order to like function or play it a certain 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 way because it kind of knocks the edge off um, I used to think that having a beer or two towards the end of the day would kind of knock the edge off for me, but uh, who knows what it was. I don't think it did anything for me. Um, I have been sober for coming up on two years. Not a drop, not a sip, not nothing. And I don't miss it. I couldn't play. like There's people that get out and, you know, oh, you know, we got drunk at League last night. Like, I couldn't play drunk. I could not. And... At the same time, there's some people who just drink to enjoy and others that honestly just like to party. Uh, I'm in the category of people that just like to party. And, dude, it... it <laughs> I would just get wild. The the last time I drank, there's plenty of stories to go around. For anybody local or anybody was there, they'll tell you... I, I, I could have ran from Mary Salisbury that day. But... We're, we're tiptoeing the fine line of... A few beers, and obnoxious drunk. Obviously, I was obnoxious drunk, and you just can't have that. Granted, the team I was on, everybody was 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 pretty warm and fuzzy that day. Probably, honestly, mostly my doing. Not gonna lie. But in terms of like, because it was just a snowball tournament, kind of a fundraiser thing. But in terms of. Tournament stuff. And tournament stuff, you kind of need to keep yourself together. Personally, you got to think about it not so much as like, this is my day to unwind. This is my day. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do this. You also have to think about the rest of your team. Like, Just because you're a grown-ass man and you can make your own decisions, that's cool. There's not the same you can't, but think about the rest of the guys that are there. If you get drunk enough that you can't function or you can't play to the level that you need to be at, 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 at a tournament getting late in the day obviously it's going to be late in the day if you've been there long enough to be drinking and and getting a good buzz going what may be okay to you may not be to others you got to think about that you kind of got to feel the crowd out or or know what you're there for showing up for the day if I'm there to win just have a couple of beers I don't care if you I don't listen listen I don't care if you drink all day you can drink all day and not get just shithouse wasted it's possible Seen it happen millions of times. But if you get to the point that you can't function, you're taking away from the rest of the people that are there. There's nine or ten or twelve other guys there that gave up whatever they had going on for the day uh, from their families. Could have been work, could have been uh, somewhere doing something else with friends. But they wanted to come out, compete, and play softball and all those guys were let down by one person that got so drunk they couldn't function or couldn't play to the level they needed to or couldn't play to the level they were expected to because they overindulged it's a real thing so my suggestion either learn how to pace yourself or just don't just don't drink and admittedly I will say I had this discussion with my wife the other night Uh, I'm a very social drinker. Very, very, very social drinker. Like, I I could sit at home and have a couple of beers, but more than likely, uh, I I wouldn't. Not saying I never did, but more more times than not, if I was drinking, it was with a group of people. It was with a collective group of people, and we were looking to have a good time. So... Like it's it's hard to engage sometimes. Being like I'm not I'm not the social drinker anymore. I listen. I could do, I could get to drinking. I could talk to anybody. I could talk to anybody about anything. Like literally anybody about anything. You could talk me into doing anything. And it, like there's people that do the same thing on the softball field. You just you can't. You got to know where to draw the line. No Brent, no Goldies. Not a single one. It, m- it makes me very sad. So the Pure Golds were what I was on right before I stopped. I, w- I was really big on the Pure Golds. Um, every now and again, I'll be with someone that's drinking some Goldies. Nickel of Gold Light is what we're talking about for anybody wondering. Or the Pure Golds, uh, just uh, just a whiff of it makes me just want to just eat the bottle, glass and all, just, just to taste it. <laughs> but uh, I've made it this far. I can't turn back now. And currently, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, drinking and playing while you're pitching, the game is wild enough these days. You you can't you can't take a little bit of of reaction time out of it by being even a little bit under the influence. You just can't. And yeah, Gio, I'm kind of with you. Uh, Gio says, league ball, drink a few sodas. Man, so does tournaments. No, not till the end. Yeah, and that's when you say the end. You mean like after everything's over, not like the end of the day. We're in the championship. Start hammering, or you know, like it's it's been a long day. Let's start drinking when the day is over. I mean, how many times have you played softball late into the day and then stood around the ballpark for two or three hours after the tournament was over talking? Use that time to drink, you know. So, let's see. Next one here. Uh, Mike says, uh, 35 plus and 40 plus softball needs to grow more in the St. Louis area. Why isn't it being promoted more? So, we're going to kind of lump this together with uh, kind of our main topic here of is softball dying? But just real quick, I I do want to touch on this and get to one more. Um, it does need to grow more, not just in the St. Louis area, 35 plus 40 plus there. There's no reason those programs couldn't excel and couldn't succeed. Why are they not being pushed? Why are they not being promoted? I don't have a good answer to that. I'm not too well versed in the 35 over 35 and over and the 40 and over uh, leagues and tournaments and things like that. I'm approaching it. Might try and play some of that when I get to that point. But why not promote it more? And it's going to kind of lump into uh, our main topic for the podcast, which is, is slope It's Truly Dying. And it, it's too many people promoting too many things. Too many, too many directors promoting too many things, too many tournaments to worry about one thing or the other. Trying to accommodate to a certain crowd or that kind of thing. And Odell, yeah. Odell says that uh, uh, people quit around age thirty-five, and there's a lot that goes into that as well. But in in general, it does need to grow. Hundred percent needs to grow. Why? Why not? Right? Maybe it's because some of the older guys like competing with the younger kids, or maybe some of the older guys uh, can't find a team to play on. Listen, social media is a very powerful thing. Very powerful. If you're local to the Columbia, Missouri area. You like playing league softball. You're tired of playing against the young kids. Or you're just looking for a change of pace. Uh, Our guy Scott Palmer has been a local to the area for years. If you've played softball locally, you know who Scott Palmer is. He's a good dude. And he is doing his best to try and get, I believe it's a 40 and over league started in Columbia. So if you're in the area looking to play some softball and you don't want to go out and play against the kids or maybe feel like you've lost a step or two over the years... I don't know if Scott is directly running that league or if he's just kind of helping push and promote it, but reach out to him. Reach out to the city of Columbia and and try and get something going, right? Why not? Absolutely, why not? Uh, Kudos to Scott for pushing to get that done. That's super cool. So if you're in the area trying to play some ball, tired of the kids, go check it out. Let's see. My worst time I ever had at a tournament. Eric's son asked that question. So the worst time I ever had at a tournament was in Taos, Missouri. And <laughs> any of my OGs that have played with me have heard this story. My man, Doug Christie. Geo, I know you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I love the guy to death. I haven't talked to him in years, to be honest. Uh, just life kind of took us our separate ways. But man, it was him. And I can't remember who else we had. Well, on, on paper, we had a pretty decent team. But, man, we absolutely crumbled that day. Crumbled. To the point that uh, we had a player get so drunk. This is back to tiptoeing the line. We had a player get so drunk. He's back there catching, right? The, the ball is in play. The ball's in the outfield. And runner's round at 30. He's going home. And... The, the cutoff guy gets the ball, turns and throws home. Well, our catcher is turning around talking to someone in the stands, behind the fence. Back to the field. Like, didn't even know the ball hit the fence next to him. And he turns around and yells at the guy that, you know, it, it turns around and yells, like, hey, watch out. Like, no, you watch out. We're playing softball, bro. I, I get wanting to let your hair down at some of the podunk stuff, but holy smokes. That day was a doozy. An absolute doozy. You would probably have to be that one or the very first year I ever played home runs for Heroes. We were the team called Goose Eggs. We went 0-3 and lost by a lot of runs in every game. No, Geo, you are correct. I do not believe Doug plays anymore. So Doug actually had a couple of bats that I wanted. And he he posted his uh, loose terms retirement sale. And I actually bought the, the the, the last bit of his stuff. I've still got some of it in the garage, actually. So, okay, so Jack Hamilton Smith, one of my OGs, known this guy for years, one of my favorite dudes, he commented on our post here. And the, the main thing I want to touch on is he posted it because he posted a few different uh, topics here. The main one I want to touch on, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I do have opinions. And basically this topic is too many bat review guys. Is there too many bat review guys? And is some or most of it just propaganda as far as pushing product or this and that and whatever else. <clears throat> so this community can't have enough reviewers personally. The more content creators we have, the more we're all going to excel. Bottom line now going with that does have to include we have to rely on each other we have to work with each other reach out shout out support do what you can to help somebody else those are things that the bat review guys have to do to help each other 100% they have to because we, we, we don't we don't get along is sorry, not don't get along is not the word we don't thrive without everybody this isn't a one man show I might have been one of the first you might say to do the back reviews but I'm not going to be the last um, there is somebody that's came along and just absolutely blown every one of us out of the water and good for him good for him more power to him he is what you might say part of the community as well but I, I don't think there can be too many but we do have to help each other no question about it we have to and as far as like some of it being propaganda I do think at times there is propaganda involved heavily at times as well Whether it be from certain manufacturers, certain retailers. But I I do 100% believe there is propaganda behind some reviews or reviewers. Not going to name names. Everybody can draw their own conclusions. Because I'm sure that some people think that about me too. Um, Kind of digging in on the stance of not reviewing certain brands from certain retailers and that kind of thing. Maybe that creates my own propaganda. You know, I was anti-monster for years, and don't get me wrong, Like, there's a few monster reviews on the channel now, but that doesn't mean I'm going to review every bat that comes out that they make. It's more of just give in. Just give up. But to say there was propaganda behind Um, Me not promoting people to want to get uh, a monster bat. Sure, I guess you could say that. But I don't look at that as propaganda. I looked at that as I'm not going to suggest someone go out and spend their hard-earned money on a bat that they've got to wait 8, 10, 12 weeks for. You ask about your bat. You know, I say, hey, where's my bat at? Reaching out to uh, who would appear to be a very approachable person on social media and they block you tell you your bats not coming send your money back kick you out of every group those things happen I'm not saying they still happen but they have happened why would I tell someone to go subject themselves to that their stuff is great really it is it's not game changing I personally don't think it's better than anything that's ever been made If you keep up with the main channel, then you saw that I posted the uh, video of us swinging 10 different ASA bats, all kinds of numbers and, and averages and compression testing and radar stuff. It's all on there. Go check it out. It just, it was, it was interesting to see from old to new and brand to brand. There wasn't a ton of difference, but but circling back is is propaganda a thing yeah 100% think so brand pushers that kind of thing and there's a difference between propaganda and being a fan of something um, believing in something to suggest it more to me that's not propaganda propaganda is defaming uh, other companies or making you believe that this is the only company that stuff happens Sorry, but it does. And and it's not just, listen, it's not just bat reviews. That's anything. Any kind of review on anything. Look around. Just look around. It's around you everywhere. What do you do about the propaganda? Man, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. If you are someone that that is reviewing products and you have a voice, no matter if it's softball or, or whatever else, if you've got a voice, use it and in, in stand behind what you believe in. If you don't like something, say you don't like something. If you like something, say, "Hey, this is really good." Be transparent. I try. I try my hardest. Try my absolute hardest to make sure that I am being transparent when I do these reviews. Some people don't think so. But I am. I I don't know what else to tell you. But I, I really did enjoy that topic. I could really dive in on that. But what we're here for, I rambled way too long before I got to this, and I do apologize. Don't kill me. So is softball dying? Jason Herden says... Slow pitch softball slowly dying. What do you think we can do to promote the younger generations that are continuing that that are coming to continue it? What about turning slow pitch softball into a professional sporting event like baseball? I know we have conference, but like in the old days where it was nationally televised. So what needs to happen as far as like the, the, the televised thing goes that's that's a logistical thing that's like way over my head, way over my head. The the best thing they've got going now is the U trip live stuff. We pay ten bucks a month, or I don't even think is it ten dollars a month. Yeah, I think it's ten dollars a month. Whatever it is, it's money well spent if you follow softball, because all of your D worlds, C worlds, E worlds, uh, any all kinds of tournaments, all kinds of conference tournaments, and things like that. All that stuff is going to be on there. Hello, Snacks. And that is is close upon... Honestly, I feel like that we're going to get to uh, this stuff being nationally televised. I wish, 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 wish there was a way we could get it on a bigger platform. And I'd, I'd love to... This is just me pipe dreaming now. But I would absolutely love to be one of the guys calling the games. It's my absolute favorite. They had a tournament last year. We're doing this on a high school baseball field. They've got the score booth and everything up there with a microphone and the PA system, and I had an absolute blast up there calling those games. It was kind of improv, so I didn't really get myself very prepared, but this year I'm going to make it a point to be prepared and try and bring that into something you guys can see. Go live, and you can hear me talking about the game. You can hear what's going on. It's kind of cool because it, I know a lot of these people personally that I was calling the game. So you can talk about tidbits and that kind of thing and have a little fun with them and, and, and discuss the game. It was a blast. I would love to do that. Like I would love one time just to go down to Space Coast and call a conference tournament. You couldn't get me out of the booth. I'd sit there all day. I would sit there all day and talk. But in terms of what can we do to promote the younger generations that are continuing to come to it? I wish I had a good answer to that. Because the younger generations, how many people do you know? Oh, my dad used to play. You know, my dad used to spend um, all the times at the ball fields and, you know, so you know, grew up around the ball fields, and you know I, you know we used to run around with so and so. You know his his dad played with my dad, and then we started playing. And there's that stuff everywhere, but it's not so much a thing anymore. And this kind of goes, this kind of coming back to the the 35 and over program dying. I, t- I said I'd tie all this back together. The 35 and, and and over, and the 40 and over programs, not really, maybe like taking off or, or doing this, um, succeeding like you feel like it should, right? It all boils down to in, in propaganda. Here we go. Ready? It all boils down to kids playing tournament sports. Personally, because how many how many people do you know? Oh, where's where's so and so at this weekend? You know, when you're at a slow pitch tournament, where's so and so at this weekend? Oh well, you know, his daughter had a tournament here. He had to go. Or you know, his boys had a had a tournament. He's out there coaching baseball. I'm not saying those people can't go do that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that's where everybody's going. It's like, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so at the field in a couple years. Like, what's he been doing? How's he been? Oh, Willie's coaching his girls' softball team and, and doing that thing. Like, oh, go for it. Go for it. Go coach your kids' teams. But that's where all these people are going. Youth tournaments, youth traveling, baseball and softball tournaments is just growing like nothing I've ever seen in my life. there is an insane amount of kids that are playing tournament sports and, and this and that and, and more power to them Brian Fisk, I know you're going to watch this later and you're going to comment on this so we can discuss a little bit but I, I do think you got to draw the line somewhere. and this, I'm a small soapbox so I'm going to get back on topic you got to draw the line somewhere you can't have these kids playing baseball or softball uh, 365 days a year let them go do something else let them play football let them play soccer let them play basketball let their bodies develop into being a full athlete and not just a robot because I promise you the, the kids that are the best athletes the ones that played any sport that they could they could get on get a, get on a field soccer football basketball track dude anything anything. It's going to make a good athlete better. It's going to make a, a decent athlete better. It's going to make somebody that might not be so athletic. Next thing you know, they're playing all these different sports and they can apply what they've learned, what they've developed into, into the other sports. If I'm playing basketball and I'm teaching these kids how to jump higher, guess what? Now they're going to run faster. What are you going to do when you run faster? You're running down stuff on that in the outfield You're outrunning people on the football field You're running the bases You're stealing bases And then when it comes to football Agility Agility is huge in football Sometimes it's not about how fast you are It's about how agile you are Well guess what Agility is going to pour into basketball It's going to pour into Baseball It's going to pour into soccer Soccer is a good one man Get these kids out here playing all kinds of different sports. Anyway, back on topic. So, there's so many parents that want to coach their kids. Or their kids have have picked up this tournament lifestyle. And and more power to those guys. But that's where a majority of the program is going. I think one of two things is going on. I think that you got dads and parents and everything else uh, giving up on their sports to go let their kids... Um, not even uh, maybe chase their dreams. Some of these kids, I think they do it just to get out of the house, and more power to them. At least they're out of the house, right? But they're they're going to do this stuff and let their kids play all these traveling sports and go do this and go do that and softball ten nights a week and you know little Timmy's got pitching lessons every you know Tuesday and Thursday and Sunday and and so you don't have time to do anything else. And then the other side of that spectrum is this younger group. I've seen this happen more than once. This younger group of kids have done nothing but play baseball or basketball or whatever sport since they were eight years old. Like, literally, they're... I kid you not. I've seen coach pitch tournaments. I've seen t-ball tournaments. Like, what? What? I... Personally, I feel like we're getting a little overkill with some of that. A coach bitch tournament. Man, I, I guess teach them to compete, but man, sorry, I, I'm I'm going two different directions here. But it starts then. I mean, how many people do you know that are 30 years old with a, with a you know seven or eight year old kid? Well, now you got them out here playing these sports and doing this and doing that. So. You're pulling people off the fields to go coach other sports. Great, go coach your kids. Live that dream. Develop your kids into better athletes. Let them chase their dreams. That's what they want to do. But then when those kids get done, you know, they're 18, they're 20 years old, they've uh, managed to make the collegiate level of, of, of sports even, then when they're done, they're burned out. They're tired of it because they've done nothing but play baseball or soccer or football or not even football, sorry, uh, baseball or soccer or uh, basketball longer like mo- like their entire life from age seven until they're in their mid twenties. They've done nothing but that year round when they get to go and you know, it's like, okay, I'm done with baseball. Like I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to move on with life. I think that is a big reason why the younger generations aren't coming out. They're burned out, and obviously that's not saying they all are, because you still got uh, all kinds of young baseball kids pouring into the sport uh, that maybe were super passionate about the game, didn't get a chance to go collegiately for you know whatever reason. Maybe it's skill, maybe it's um, you know financial, maybe it's they didn't have the grades. Who cares what it is? You still have those kids coming in but there's so many kids that just won't There's I'm, I'm tired of spending my days at a ball field I'm ready to go do this I'm ready to go do that that is why if the sport is truly dying that's a big one and the other one you know Chris mentioned this in the same com- in the comment to this question and he hit the nail on the head personally so I don't I'm quoting Chris here I don't completely agree that it's dying it used to be that in a 100 mile radius there was one tournament that would get 20 to 25 teams now sometimes in that same area we have 4 to 5 tournaments with 6 to 10 teams it feels like the sport is dying because the tournaments are smaller but there are so many competing events I agree Look at the uh, U-trip schedule for, for Missouri. And I, I, I do believe there's there's weekends where you got a tournament in Columbia, a tournament in Rolla, and then a tournament in St. Louis. You, you can't expect teams to show up to every one of them. These directors, and I understand there's money to be made and, and this and that and whatever else, but why can't these directors get together, collaborate, say hey let's do this in one spot let everybody reap the benefits instead of trying to compete spamming Facebook pages and Facebook groups and and anywhere you can get a flyer posted you're spamming these flyers trying to make sure that everybody shows up to your tournament because there's one 60 miles down the road that you don't want anybody to show up to you want everybody at your tournament why not pick up the phone at the beginning of the season and say hey you wanna run some tournaments together? What's so wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with that. That's a problem. I understand that you can have uh, differing sanctions. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, for sanctions like, you know, we, we do have weekends where there's uh, U-trip and ASA in the same weekend. That I mean, whatever. U Trip and ASA. Like you got competing sanctions. That's a whole different realm than three U-Trip tournaments within a 100-mile radius. You put a pin down. You go 100 miles either way. And you've got at least three sanctioned U-Trip tournaments. Why? Why are we competing with each other? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No, look at me. No, look at me. No, look at me. No, look at me. Carly's right. They're greedy. They want all the money just for themselves. And they reward the winners with $5 rings. You could give somebody more than a $5 ring if you guys would just put your heads together and cooperate and coexist with each other instead of having three tournaments all spread out with eight or ten teams apiece. Guess what? You've got a ballpark cram-freaking-packed full of people if you can just get people to work together. Crazy concept, right? But, Carly said it, people are too greedy, they want all the money, and Adam said it too, the directors will never come off the money. Whether it's the money, whether it's they don't like the way people do things, whatever it is, it just doesn't make sense. But I, I do think that that's a, a decent reason why the sport might be necessarily what you might consider dying, because you know there's tournaments that aren't making because there's not teams to, to go play in them, but there's just so many tournaments that people are just so spread out. I think I, I personally do agree with Chris. I think that's a majority of the issue is there's just so many tournaments. Well, you play in Columbia this weekend? No, we're going to go to St. Louis. Uh, for those that don't know an are local here, that's like an hour and a half, two hour drive. If you're in the middle, excuse me, if you're in the middle or if you're north or south of that and you've got a decision which way to go, I mean, there's there's teams that We'll drive to the smaller one because they don't want to play as many teams, or maybe not as much competition. They can kind of scan things and see. But get this, get this: if we can all cooperate and work together, then your divisions are going to be more diverse. You're not going to have all these teams showing up and and stomping people, and and this and that teams will be classed correctly because they're all playing in one spot so we can all get a good look at, at what we have to offer here for teams because they're all playing in one place together you know teams in in years past that have, have been accused of going and playing the easy tournaments when there was a tournament somewhere else they could have went and played like how do you know but because we got two directors hosting tournaments in the same sanction 60 miles apart we don't know both of them had 8 or 10 teams well guess what if you guys could have worked together you could have had 20 something teams and don't tell me you're not walking away with close, close to if not more or even the same amount of money people just don't want to cooperate they want things done their own way come on but I do not think that slow pitch softball is dying I just think it has issues that need to be addressed (coughs) Excuse me I I genuinely think That that is where the biggest issue lies In state tournaments and things like that Do it in a a central location Do it in a a location where everybody can get to it This isn't a dig at any, any directors I'm not going at anybody personally and All I'm saying is, the best place to have a state tournament would be where everybody can get together. It's a, it's a it's a it's a central area. If you're having a state tournament on one side of the state, literally on one like state line of one state, and you've got teams coming, you if if you've got on the other side of the state line, you've got double the teams over there, or even just as many teams. Why not put it in the middle and have everybody meet up and play? Why why not, right? It's crazy. I don't think softball's dying. I think it just has issues that need to be addressed. That being said, BP Heroes done. The soapbox is over. We've hit the hour mark. You know what that means. I'm freaking out of here. See you, Mother Truckers, next time. Swing hard in case you hit it. See you next Wednesday, 10 p.m. Central. Sorry, 9 Not. Oh, my God. Cut. See you next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central. Swing hard in case you hit it. Beep your hill catch you next time.